This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. What? Are you waiting for somebody or not? For the camera. For the camera. I don't know. Ah, the camera is also... Okay, so let's speak a little bit about this yeshiva, um, about what's called Kletz, even though it didn't start here, because in many ways it was typical of certain things. The yeshiva itself started in Slutsk. Slutsk is a much bigger city, um, it's a few dozen kilometers over, and the rub of the city, his name was Rabbi Yaakov David um, Vilowitz Valensky, he, he was known as the Ritvaz. And he wanted a yeshiva in the city. He recognized without a yeshiva in the city, it's not going to work. He himself, Be'etzim, wasn't close to the Musa movement, but he also understood that without a backbone of Musa and um, without a chizuk, there's not going to be a yeshiva. He called Reb Nassim Svi Finkel, called, I mean, uh, he wrote to him, and um, Reb Nassim Svi agreed, and he sent a group of 14 Bachrim. Called, they called it the Yada Chazaka, Yudala Chazaka, including his own son of Yudel, and Rebissa Zalman, who was Ramosha Mordechapstein's brother in law, and was at that time in Slabotka. Um, he, he was saying a shir. He sent him to be the Rosh Hashiva and 14 Brachim to start as, as, as the core of the Yeshiva. Um, the Rebetzin uh, Meltzer was not thrilled to come live here. She was living in in Slabotka, and Slabotka was a city. It was part of a city. She had a family there. This is Hicks, in case you didn't notice. It's far away. Um, even with the bus, it, didn't, it took quite a bit from Minsk. This was all the way from Slabotka. She really didn't want to come. He said that since the Russian Malkhaps had been there longer, he, does, he feels he should go, and he went with the group. Kletz tried to kidnap them, and uh, what happened in the end was they signed with Kletsk, and then Slutsk made a big uproar, and they ended up in Slutsk. They were there from, they found in 1897, the, um, the communists, World War I came, the communists took over, they moved half the yeshiva here. <coughs> Reb Aaron Kotler was Reb Zalman's son-in-law, and Reb Aaron Kotler um, became a Rosh Hashiva there at like a 24, he started saying Shurim, he was remarkable, Speak about it in a second, and he was the one. And so when they split, they moved the yeshiva. Half the yeshiva came here in 1921, and Reb Isazalman still continued on in Slutsk. He was by this time he was the Rav in Slutsk. The Redvazid moved to Tzfas, and he felt. And this was really a big dilemma. A lot of the rabbanim in Russia, or in whatever Russia had taken over. They they didn't know if they should stay because they owe it for the communities. Because if they leave, what's going to be? On the other hand, is there any future? Chavetz Chaim himself had told people to run away. Then he laid out Harata. The Lubavitcher Rebbe had told all the Rabbanim they have to stay in their place. And most of them were killed out and sent off, almost everybody. And everything did die out in the end. There was no future for 70 years in, in that area. So Rebbe Zalman stayed for two years. They had to keep the yeshiva, quote-unquote, on the ground, shtick, this, that. Finally, he got the word that he's on the list and he's going to Siberia, and he ran away to here. 
this was already Poland at the time. He um, he was here for two, three years. In 1925, I think it was, he went to Artisrael and he left the Shiva by Baron Cutler. The Shiva itself took off. Rebbe Zalman and Baron Cutler were two Gedolim, very different temperaments. Rebbe Zalman was extremely um, calm, sort of very, very, um, um, you know, he, he backed off. He was he was extremely um, calm and quiet and thoughtful. That type of personality. Rebbe Cutler was an Eshlahav. He was a fire. There was a fire in his learning. He was he was an an, an ilu atzum. His big um, his big thing was cheshbening a sugya. He could cheshben out every piece, how it shims every other piece, anyplace else. And his when he when he talked the learning, he, he was like a fire, um, and he wouldn't tolerate it. If somebody asked a question while they were saying a shir, the person would get it on over his head. He was very very strong that way. Um, and he was extremely strong and um, passionate in everything else. He attracted a lot of people. I don't know how many people actually understood his shir. His shirim were extraordinarily difficult to understand. You have to keep pace, and after a few minutes, most people just lost him. Most of Shaykh too, but they were extraordinarily taken by his fire. I mean, his fire and and his iluishkeit was incredible. I mean, you know, he he was brilliant beyond words. And he drew people. So Klusk actually had gotten to be quite a big yeshiva by the time the war came around. What does that mean? What? How big is that? It was 200 plus, I believe, Talmidim. Or well over 200. I mean, I have the exact numbers. What? Was Rav Shach here for some time? Rav Shach was here. Rav Shach eventually married Rav Zalman's niece. Um, Rav Shach had been in Slabotka. He also was here later. And this is... So I I guess Rav Zalman was a formative figure, but... Rav Shach's, um, he, he holds the Alta as to be the one who influenced in a big way. Mr. Zalman was extremely close to. Debiskarov was the one, I think, in learning that he felt afterwards he had become, was the one he was uh, really um, influenced by in learning. Um, Rev Aaron had already gone to America to collect money in the 30s. He had some Kesha. Um, when the war ended up, he ended up going to America. And he worked very hard during the war years desperately to save as many people as he could. The Shiva disbanded and typical, some went off to Siberia, some he sent off to Siberia, and some managed to turn up at the Yeshiva and so on. They, they, they also went to Lithuania. We'll talk about that at one of the later times. But at the end of the day, he came to America. He, in his trips in the 30s in America, he was appalled at what he saw as the level of learning in America. And he pushed up track of Lelovich to make some sort of kailo, something where people will sit and learn. And something they, they made something like that. And, and in a sense, that became a seed for his yeshiva. He came in 1940. He established the yeshiva there um, and uh, the rest of history. But it had to do more than anything else with his person. He, he, he was an A, an A Shlohava. His passion and his fire was unbelievable. His personal integrity and everything with it was that way. He was passionate and didn't broke a compromise. He, he, and he was able to um, 
plant the seed for something which was unthinkable in America in those days. In those days, Yeshiva University was the far right at the, of the of the spectrum, and he basically put everybody out. He 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 took over the far right for himself big time, and pushed everybody else out. Um, he and it had to do with with the of his person. So it's fascinating. His Torah was beyond, I would say, ninety five percent of Talmidim. Um, somebody told me I had a cousin of mine who was a Rav in America and a group of Rabbanim came to Lakewood to hear a shir from a baron. A baron invited the Rabbanim when normally held themselves to be the uh, Apetropsim for Torah America. They sat through the shir and, and they were very depressed. <laughs> they didn't know very much of what was going on. And uh, one of them said, the other big deal, I don't think anybody here understands either. So they grabbed the Talmud and said, say over the shir. Unfortunately, they grabbed Rabbi Yeshvei. So he told them over the whole shit, <laughs> and they were doubly depressed. <laughs> but uh, I, I heard this from my from my relative, Balkaponim. So this is where it started. So it's a fascinating. Um, it, it, the Altus Labotka planted the seed. He was the one who actually was extraordinarily, um, extremely significant in guiding the Baron Kaplan to become who he was. We'll talk about that when we get Slabotka Mitzvah. But. Um, it, it was his personality that really made the yeshiva what it was. It's ironic that Kletsk had offered and begged for the yeshiva to come there, didn't work out, and in the end it did end up in Kletsk. And uh, like all the other yeshivas, this became a seed for... Um, he had the yeshiva 20 years, and he, in America he had it for 20-some-odd years. And this, this really was the seed for, for everything in America. This, this is really the, the seed of the seed for all the other yeshivas in America, that's that's the significance. And the Talmidim lived where? In just in people's homes? Okay, so Talmidim and Darkal lived in people's homes. The difference that Velazhin instituted, it used to be in the old, old days, they lived out of the goodness of the heart of the families. The goodness of the heart stopped at some point, and the yeshiva would rent apartments. Um, they would rent, and so the male people in town lived off the yeshiva. People in town lived off the yeshiva. And there was a very positive sense, unless he didn't pay his bills, which was frequent. And, 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 and an example of something I, I read, like, totally were able to get food, but finally Rabban was able to get black bread and hot water sweetened with saccharin. So that was satisfactory for a few months, so at least they had the minimal. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of... Uh, it, it didn't... I mean, they didn't present that as being starvation ration. This was okay. They had bread, they had what to drink, and it was uh, fine. That was the... That was the that was way people lived. Um, yeah. Is there anything left of, of the tire of, of, of class? Rebaran's tire is that... Rebaran's tire is printed off Mishra Zerbaran. So, so the, the thing is, Rebaran's tire, but they typically had two parts. The, the, the Yisaitis themselves are deep, and, you know, you can... You can they're easily, they are transportable. A magachik can say the shir. The chajbenis he made, you can't say the shir. No, nobody, I mean, out of the cover of magachik, we'll say magachik, maybe understands. But I mean, his chajbenis, he went through, um, Reb Nachum once said, he, he aired it out. In other words, Shook up all the bits and pieces of it. And says Rabbi Yechon, go with this sugi. He's going with that sugi. They can't hold like him. So I must be hold like him. He 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 kept his chesbonus and he was quicker than quick. So and that was incredible. And and you know he was extremely in the shear itself. He was Esav. If you asked if you asked the military, we got very nervous, and he would he would tear to pieces. Then he would apologize afterwards. And someone told me this is a chashuv rabbi sitting at his shear, and. 
He asked in the middle, and he ripped into him and says, You idiot, you have my earth, no fingers, where did you learn? Why did you have the chutzpah come to the shit? You know, like that, like that, that type of language, very, very shocked. Then, like towards the end of the year, he said, Now that they're asleep, now we can begin to answer the question that of so and so asked at the share, and, 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 and now it makes sense. So, this, this, this person asked an acquaintance of mine, like, You know, I don't stand, I don't get it. He said, Did you ever see an artist working and someone comes over and asks him some question or, or bangs him on the shoulder? You, you, you blow he said there are Miller working on the show he, he's he, he said you know he, he's cold cooler in it and you, you're distracting him that's why he gets very very upset but you know but once he you know but this is so, so in a certain sense whatever we have today in America come out this is where it came from it's in he was a Suslovich it could be it could be it had come from because he was he was from a small town called Suslovich I think I mean, they're all sticks. They're all the same sticks. So I don't. I don't know. It, 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 it could be his family. Did I don't know. I, if it says so, I assume. It's it, when it says it, it was reestablished in Klutz, that wasn't. When, it, when, he, when he came in the twenties to Klutz, Slotsk was still around. It was his alma. Yeah, Rebbe Zalman had come back to Slotsk, and he and he kept it going for two years. He he split the yeshiva in half. Half the yeshiva he made in Klutz, which was Poland. Why? Why was the communists? Oh, he wanted to. He, he, he had Slotsk itself was already communist. It was by Russia. And, and the communists did not allow any yeshivas. This was Poland at the time. So Poland was was okay, you know, Poland was fine. So they wanted, you know, to split the Macht into two and they had 50%, you know, punch here, punch there. But at the end of the day, he, he was, there was a story where, I think there was a rebarn called the poem something by Chris McGill, it would be by us already. And they didn't know what it, like, it was like, he said himself, he didn't know what he said, he just kind of, and then, Right before Purim, you had to escape, you know, overnight, and it wasn't—you couldn't escape anymore. You had to cross the border and 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 run the border and bribe. It was already very difficult, but it was still in the in the in the early 20s, the late, you know, it was still gray enough that you could get out of Russia. But that was it. Then it slammed down, and that was the end of it. Rizalman ended up in in Israel when, like 24. 25, I think 25. it was. 20, yeah, he left two, three years later. He left. He wanted to go to his life, and that was it.